Podcasting from the 49th state of Alaska, where everyone rides polar bears to school and live in igloos. This is F Your Opinion, the best podcast for the latest updates in the MLB, NFL, and NBA. Here's your sports-loving host, Marvin McCall. What up, what up, what's going on, everybody? Thank you for listening to F Your Opinion. I'm your host, Marvin McCall. So we actually have some NFL in the show today surprisingly i mean i'm I'm it's not much i'm excited you know it's just a little bit of rob gronkowski and demarco murray news but as usual we're gonna start out with some nba so there's not a whole lot going on in the sports world right now and it's a little weird but as long as i have you guys to talk about sports with then i am perfectly fine with it so in the last episode, I told you guys that I was having these summertime allergies and I'm finally starting to get over it, but my nose is still pretty clogged up. And if I sound weird, I am I apologize in advance. But let's start off with Devin Booker. So according to CBSSports.com, Devin Booker just signed a $158 million extension with the Phoenix Suns. $158 million at 21 years old. How crazy is that? How much were you making at 21? Because I wasn't even close to that. Nowhere near that. This young but very talented kid is getting paid like the face of the franchise, which he absolutely is. And I know a lot of other people don't think that, but I sure as hell do. He deserves this hefty contract more than anyone right now. The kid is 21 years old, and he's about to make $158 million. A young kid on a really bad Suns team Say, I, okay, I guess saying really bad probably isn't fair to say since the Suns are a pretty young team overall. Now the Suns, all they have to do is put the right pieces around him so they can keep him happy because you know damn well later on down the line, he's going to ask for a trade if nothing works out in the future. And so I have a little story about Devin Booker. And about a year into Booker's career... I got into an argument with my brother. And my brother, he's old enough to remember the Jordan era of basketball with guys like John Stockton, Scottie Pippen, Carl Malone, and so on. And right now he thinks the NBA is softer than what he's used to seeing back then, which a lot of people agree around his age. He's not even happy with the LeBron signing, and his favorite team is the Lakers, which it, it does not make any sense to me, but, you know, whatever. So the argument was about whether or not Devin Booker was going to be a star in the NBA. And my side of the argument was that Booker was definitely going to be a star. And guess what his side was? That Booker wasn't going to be a star. And right now, it looks like I won the argument. Or at least so far, he's a star in the making. And I hope you guys agree that this Phoenix Suns team is going to be so exciting to watch in the future. You have... Young players like Devin Booker, Josh Jackson, and DeAndre Ayton. That team is going to be good. That team is going to be very exciting. And you know, another team, I know right now they're not very exciting, is the Milwaukee Bucks. And according to Matt Velasquez of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Brooke Lopez decided to join the Milwaukee Bucks on a one-year $3.4 million deal. And it's not a splash signing, right? And Brooke Lopez may not be the player he used to be when he was actually with the Nets, but he can still help a team in many ways. 
Okay, so I said this before, and I'll say it again. A big that can stretch the floor and shoot is vital for any NBA team and their playmakers. And that's exactly what Brooke Lopez is for the Milwaukee Bucks. And, it, I mean, it's a little odd that the Lakers didn't re-sign him, but I was ex- I was expecting Brooke Lopez to leave. And either the Lakers didn't want him or... He, didn't, he just didn't want to be with the Lakers anymore. And Lopez, with the Bucks is a huge upgrade from John Henson. Although Henson is a... He, we can agree he's quite a bit younger. And he's still learning how to correctly play the game. But with Brooke Lopez on... We, we have to agree that the, the Milwaukee Bucks, they're a relatively young team. But he can definitely act as another scorer aside from Eric Bledsoe. Giannis and Malcolm Brogdon. But late in games, if the Bucks want more of a defensive presence, they can always use Henson at the four and Lopez at the five with Henson acting more as the rim protector. With Lopez acting more of the offensive presence. And with Lopez now, I can see the Milwaukee Bucks as at least the sixth or seventh seed, maybe even the fifth seed with how weak the Eastern Conference is. And speaking of the embarrassingly weak Eastern Conference, the Bulls, Magic, and Hornets made a three-team trade involving Timofey Mozgov, Bismack Biombo, Jerry M. Grant, and Julian Stone. Now, I don't even know who Julian Stone is, but it's clear the Orlando Magic won this trade since they'll be acquiring Jerry and Grant, who, honestly, he played really well for the Bulls last season. But it's understandable why they made this decision because Chris Dunn is their starter with Zach Levine. He's more than capable of handling the ball when Dunn needs a rest on the bench. They also have Cameron Payne, who is the backup to Dunn. But he didn't get much playing time last season, even when the Bulls decided to tank. Who knows what the situation will be next season. And it... You know, it doesn't even seem like Charlotte is getting anywhere. Remember when the Hornets used to be the Bobcats? Remember how bad they were when Biombo and Walker played together? Now I know, I know that was a completely different roster with Biombo and Walker being fresh out of the room back then. But how exactly is Michael Jordan running this team? Okay, I hope you guys remember this. Remember when Mitch Kupchak was the guy to give Timofey Mozgov a $64 million contract with the Lakers. Timofey Mozgov, of all people, got $64 million. Okay, so this is a different time, and Biombo and Walker have improved tremendously. They also have Nick Batum and Jeremy Lamb now. Nick Batum, is a de- de- he's a decent perimeter defender and lamb is a heck of a scorer now and the bobcats or the hornets now didn't have guys like that back then they didn't have a guy like cody zeller either their best player back then was gerald henderson in his second year and walker and biombo were only rookies this year they have this year they have a chance to trade for another star like kevin love without having to give up too much But I think the Cavs in return will want a scorer like Lamb or Malik Monk. Maybe even Hernan Gomez, 
who will be a heck of an upgrade from from Tristan Thompson. And I hope you guys agree with that. Right now, in my opinion, I think the Hornets should wait. They should wait and see how good they are, especially with a young and talented player like Miles Bridges now on the roster. And if they need help by the deadline, pull the trigger and trade for Kevin Love if he hasn't gotten traded yet. Because a team like the Bulls could definitely definitely use a guy like Kevin Love. And, you know, speaking of the Bulls, according to ESPN, the Kings offered Zach Levine a $78 million contract, but the Bulls, they quickly matched it. A lot of people are wondering why he deserves this much money. And if anyone forgot, he, he was an explosive scorer before he got injured. Okay, so I need all of you guys who are saying he doesn't deserve this much money to please stop watching the ESPN highlights and actually pay attention to the other players that aren't on the highlights as often. Zach Levine, he would have been a perfect fit for that young Kings team. You know, you have De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald, Marvin Bagley, Willie Cauley-Stein, and then insert Zach Levine. Obviously, that isn't their entire roster, but think about how much that team would have grown together. You know, you have a lights-out shooter in Buddy Heald, excellent defender and ball handler in De'Aaron Fox, two very big, scary-looking dudes down low with Bagley and Cauley-Stein, and then they could have had a guy that could attack the rim and shoot with Zach Levine. But the you know, the Chicago Bulls, they wasted no time in matching their offer. Reportedly he wasn't very happy with that, and I don't know how true that is, but if you think about if you think about it, him and Dunn can be a very, very scary backcourt later on down the line if they're both healthy. This is about to be Levine's fifth year in the league, and now now he needs to prove that he can be the cornerstone of a very young Chicago Bulls team, especially with that big contract extension. You know, I should have said it earlier, but the Kings, they were actually the first to offer a restricted free agent a big contract. And then it looks like the Grizzlies, they followed right after. And according to Adrian Wojnarowski, the San Antonio Spurs, they're not, they decided not to match the Grizzlies' four-year $37 million offer sheet to Kyle Anderson, which means Kyle Anderson is now a member of the Memphis Grizzlies unless something weird happens like the DeAndre Jordan fiasco, which I highly, highly doubt will. Last season, Kyle Anderson, he averaged eight points, one steal, two assists, and five rebounds per game. Okay, so before you laugh, you're probably thinking, why the hell pay someone damn near $10 million a year just so he can average eight points a game? But being on an NBA team, scoring is just a fraction of what you need to do as part of a franchise. You know, and if you want to be a member of the Spurs, you better be a damn good defender, which Kyle Anderson is. And the Grizzlies, they need perimeter help which is why, in my opinion, decided to sign him. He can shoot as well as defend the perimeter. Now you might be thinking, well, if you think he's that good, why didn't the Spurs match the offer? Well, because if you're not Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, or Tony Parker in your prime, then it's the next man up if you want to leave. 
You know, they're thinking, go ahead and leave. We got another guy coming in. The Spurs front office, they know how great their coaching staff is. So they have confidence in the next man in line. You know, a young kid like Lonnie Walker is more than capable of taking Anderson's spot next season. Lonnie Walker can play. He can play the both two and three next season. And, you know, I don't know how good the Spurs are going to be, especially with Kawhi Leonard acting the way he is right now. I don't know if he's going to be on the team next season. You know, I I don't even know if they're going to make the playoffs. And, you know, if they... Okay, that's a bold statement. They will make the playoffs. But I think they're going to get at least a fifth, maybe sixth seed during the regular season. But you got to remember that they have a Hall of Fame coach in Greg Popovich, and he can adjust in the playoffs to where he can definitely take his team all the way to conference finals or maybe even the finals, but I don't see it happening. So that'll be it for the NBA portion of this episode. We're going to carry on to the MLB now. Like I said, there's not a whole lot going on in all of sports today. And I know in the last episode, I told you guys that the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers were the front runners to land Machado, but the momentum is shifting again. The Dodgers are they're still in the mix, but now the Brewers are as well. And according to MLBTradeRumors.com, seven, that's right, seven teams have made offers for Machado. The teams are the Dodgers, the Brewers, the Phillies, the Braves, the Indians, and the Cubs. With the most enticing offer, the Dodgers, named first, and the least enticing offer, the Cubs, named last. Also, according to MLBTradeRumors.com, they state that the value for every offer is very close, but right now it seems like the Dodgers and the Brewers are the teams most likely to land Machado before the deadline. I've stated twice already that it doesn't make any sense for the Dodgers to trade for Machado since they already have Corey Seager at shortstop, but it would definitely make sense for the Brewers to trade for him since they have, you know, they have a decent infielder in Tyler Saladino that the Brewers can include in the package. It's a it's a long complicated process trying to trade away a star from a rebuilding team, but Machado I can say he will definitely not be an Oriole when the non-waiver deadline comes to an end. So it's either trade him for a nice package of young players or let him walk in free agency and you won't get anything in return, which is why it makes a lot of sense to trade him as soon as possible. And I can I can see Machado in a Brewers uniform before the deadline. And he can definitely be a tre- tremendous amount of help for that postseason push. And now maybe maybe you guys don't know who Kyle Tucker is, but according to MLBTradeRumors.com, the Astros have called up their top prospect, Kyle Tucker. Calling up Kyle Tucker means the Astros had to send someone down to AAA. And so they sent Jake Marcinick. You know, Kyle Tucker was selected fifth overall in the 2015 MLB draft. Although Young is an upgrade from Marcinick, at least right now, it seems like he's an upgrade because Marcinick, he hasn't been much help to the AL West leaders. You know, defensively, Marcinick, he, was, he wasn't that bad, but offensively, he was horrendous, hitting just 190 with seven home runs and 19 RBIs. With Kyle Tucker, the Astros seem to think of 
him more as an offensive weapon rather than a defensive a defensive specialist because if they wanted more defense, they would have kept Marcinic on the 40-man roster. So it makes a lot of sense for the Astros to call up their top prospect because the Mariners are slowly creeping up on that ALS lead. And you know, even if the Mariners don't get that first place spot, I'd be so happy if they made the wild card, which it looks like they're going to do right now. And I know it's still early in the season. It's not even at the halfway mark. It's pretty close to the halfway mark. But the Mariners haven't been to the postseason in so long, I'd be more than happy to see them in the wild card postseason spot. But we're not going to talk about the Mariners right now because I'm sure you know I can go on and on about the Mariners because they're my favorite team. But according to MLBTradeRumors.com, the Rangers have acquired veteran outfielder Austin Jackson, reliever Corey Guerin, and right-hander Jason Barr from the Giants. Right now, it seems like the Rangers did it for Corey Guerin and Jason Barr because it's reported the Rangers will try to trade Jackson and he most likely won't be he won't make an appearance in a Rangers uniform. Last season, you guys remember when Austin Jackson was such an important piece to that Indians postseason push? So the Giants decided to sign him to a two-year, $6 million contract over the offseason, thinking he can hopefully help the team, which was a failed experience. It was, a, it was a failed experiment, obviously. But with the Giants, Jackson, he hit just 242 with no home runs. Rather than try and trade him, I'm hoping the Rangers put him on waivers so the Mariners can pick him up because they need outfield help. Heredia, he's he's outstanding defensively, but on the offensive side, he's not that great. You know, this is where Austin Jackson comes in. I know the 242 isn't that great, but it it's not horrible either. The Mariners can split time between Heredia and Jackson and make that postseason push, and hopefully the top spot in the L West. So I know I literally just said I wasn't going to talk about the Mariners, but it's so hard not to. They're doing so well this year, and it's it's amazing to see. You know what would be really amazing to see? Rob Gronkowski on another team. And according to NESN.com, teams believe that Rob Gronkowski is still available in the trade market, even though the Patriots said he wasn't. So before the 2018 NFL Draft, it was reported that the Patriots explored trade options for their all-pro tight end. Even though the Patriots denied the rumors, Gronkowski and the Patriots still need to negotiate a restructured contract deal, maybe even a new deal. So with all of this negotiating, teams do believe he's on the market. There are more than a few teams that would love to have Rob Gronkowski. I mean, would you want to see Gronkowski on your favorite team in the NFL? I'm just going to be completely honest. I I wouldn't want him on the Giants because Evan Ingram is he's awesome as a tight end, but he acts more of a rece- as more of a receiver than a tight end. But I guess it's just a matter of who they want to give up for him and especially since he's been struggling with injuries, you know, and how much other teams want to give up. The talent is there, there's no doubt about it. But you know the asking price for the All-Pro tight end is going to be extremely high. I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots asked for a first-round pick for the injury-riddled tight end. 
If I were a GM for NFL team and the team desperately needed a blocking tight end, as well as a red zone threat, I wouldn't offer more than a fourth round pick, putting emphasis on his constant struggles with injuries. And before you laugh at that statement, you really have to think like an NFL executive. You really have to think like an NFL GM. Would you want an injury-riddled tight end for a first or second round pick? Would you want to give up a first or second round pick for an injury-riddled tight end? Even though he's a red zone threat and, like I said, a tremendous talent. And, you, you know, and I really don't see teams offering much for Rob Gronkowski. It's crazy to hear, I know. But you know who else struggles with injuries? It's DeMarco Murray. But I guess it's pretty common for running backs to struggle with injuries. And according to ProSportsDaily.com, DeMarco Murray... He's been in contact with four to five teams over the offseason, and he's just waiting for the right opportunity to sign with the team. DeMarco Murray, he he said that there is a team that he will sign with at some point before the season starts. At least three of the five teams include the Lions, the Seahawks, and the Dolphins. So the Lions, they don't make any sense, as I would be somewhat surprised if he decided to go there. Now, the Seahawks and the Dolphins, they make a lot more sense being that the Seahawks backfield, it's been, you know, it's been a huge mess since Marshawn Lynch, since he left to retire only to come out of retirement to sign with the Raiders. Now, the Dolphins, they do have Kenyon Drake, who proved that he can be a capable starter last season, even with a horrendous front line. But both of those guys can, they can definitely make a lethal one-two punch with Murray being the three-down back and Drake doing all the goal line work. Whoever picks up Murray, they will be more than happy to have him. They'll be lucky to have him because even though he's old for NFL standards, in my opinion, he still has a lot left in the tank. So that's it for today, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to F Your Opinion. Be sure to follow me on Twitter, at mmccall24. That's at mmccall24. And I'll see you next time.